Cool. Cool. We can go ahead and start. So I, it rained a lot today. Did anyone, did anyone forget to bring an umbrella like I did and get very wet? I have like, the winter stinks because your, your shoes don't dry. And I have like four pairs of shoes that are wet inside. And because of the walk over here, these shoes are now wet. So I think all the shoes are I own are wet. Wet feet, cold weather, not a fun mix. Just wanted to say good job to Christopher and Heather for announcements. They didn't have much with announcements and could have done a better job on the order, but y'all did well. And uh, shout out to, to Dorothy. Anybody that doesn't know who Dorothy is, it's Katie Sears. There's two Katies on the team. Her real name isn't Katie though, so she doesn't get the Katie name my wife does because her real name is Dorothy Catherine Sears. And so that's why I call her Dorothy. But good job, Dorothy and Charles, wherever you are. I don't, I don't know. There, there's Charles. His head is down. Bray, Bree, for, for drums. Rob, playing bass. It's like third eye blind in here. Two of y'all got that. But Rob, I got to say, if any of y'all weren't at the Foundry yesterday, you missed out because Rob, Rob stole the show. It was, he spoke, it was phenomenal. He talked about prayer. It was so good that even if you don't go to the Foundry, you can go online and listen to their podcast and it's more than worth you listening to the podcast. It was so good. And so it's cool that he came here, fitted into a schedule because I know he's tired from yesterday because the man killed it. But in saying all that, uh, I'm pretty, yeah, tonight, tonight should be fun. The, um, we're starting a new series. We didn't really kind of announce the last series we did. We just kind of started it and went through it. But this one we'll announce, and it'll be a, a little bit clear that it's a series. We're starting a new series, and we're going through the Book of Corinthians. And since I'm doing so many shout-outs tonight, I figured I'd go ahead and do one more shout-out to Two of the people who were, probably two people who were most, the main reason behind this series. Ado and Rachel. They were with us in a staff meeting a few months ago, and they suggested that the next series we do would be one on, like, uh, just topics that y'all deal with, uh, it being in college. And so we got the idea of, basically going through the book of Corinthians together. Well, it's not one book, it's two books, but we kind of combined it into one. But we're going through Corinthians together, not like book, not chapter by chapter, but we're going to jump around and just touch on the issues that the Corinthians are dealing with. And so it'll be fun. We'll be able to talk about, you know, how to make, uh, basically how to have godly wisdom and decisions that you have, decisions that you make, specifically ones that aren't necessarily like religious. So how do you know what to do? What's a wise decision? If it's not overtly religious or moral, we'll talk about gender roles, you know, that's a big, de- big deal today. Money, relationships, dating, Holy Spirit. So we'll have some fun. And some of you are like, oh, okay, so why would you pick Corinthians? Well, Corinthians, you know, Corinth was, uh, that's the title of the sermon, Limits to Liberty. But the next slide, yes, there we go, Corinth. Corinth is in southern, 
in the southern peninsula of modern-day Greece. You see it right there. It's a little bit left of Athens. It's pretty obvious because it has a big star next to it. But Corinth, <laughs> Corinth was a big deal. Um, it really was a big deal. Basically, the I like history, so a little history lesson. The history of Corinth was they were a religious colony. I'm sorry. They were a pretty large city, pretty well-known, and then they got wiped out by the Romans. But then the Romans were like, hey, these guys had a pretty rich history, Let's and their location was great for trading. So they rebuilt a Roman version of former Corinth. Because of this, Corinth ended up having serious commercial wealth and financial success, so much so that Athens, which many of y'all have heard of because anybody take uh, Philosophy 101? You hear about Plato, Socrates, Athens. Athens was a big deal, always in movies and stuff. But the whole thing about that is that Athens wasn't even as big of a deal as Corinth was. In fact, Athens was jealous of Corinth because of their financial success. Basically, it was like... Well, I don't really have a good example, but Athens was not as big as Corinth. And so, because of their jealousy, Athens really liked to talk about the negative aspects of Corinth. One of those neg negative aspects was Corinth's morality. Corinth was well known for being a really rough place, specifically morally. In fact, Aristophanes, he, had a, he was an Athenian writer of comedy, which is basically like, he basically writes movies and stuff in, in modern times or, or writes books and stuff. But this guy, he wrote plays and he referred to Corinth as, or he referred to, he made a statement, living like a Corinthian, which basically meant living in gross immorality. Plato even mentions Corinth, and he talks about how he refers to a Corinthian girl. That's, that was the term for prostitute. So Corinth was well known for being a place where it's like, hey, you know what? We might be pagans. We, we might have a bad view when it comes to morality, but at least we're not as bad as Corinth. Corinth was really well known for how messed up things were. And when Paul, Paul writes these letters, the first letter he writes is during his third missionary journey. He had visited Corinth on a second missionary journey. Why am I saying all this? The reason I'm saying all this is because Corinth is not too different. Their situation from Morgantown. Why would I say that? Corinth, they had some weird stuff going on. And not saying that the stuff that they were dealing with is exactly what we were dealing with, because they had incest going on. People were like, there was a case of incest inside church. You got men and women in church sleeping with prostitutes. You know, they got really, every, you have people in different camps, different doctrinal views, denominations, arguing, arguing with one another. One group was like, hey, we, we follow Paul. One group was like, we follow Peter. One group was like, we follow Apollos. You know, and then... Another group is just like, we won't follow anybody. You know, like there's just, just constant friction everywhere. And so all this stuff is going on in Corinth, and Corinth is well known for being bad. And so when, when you know the history, the people there in the present time, as Paul is writing this letter to them, they're like, hey, you know, Paul, you're kind of frustrated about the way that the Corinthian church looks, but, I mean, think about it. They're in Corinth. What would you expect? The dilemma for Corinth was that they were living in a pretty rough place. 
And so the culture outside of the church had taken over inside the church. Their dilemma was, how can we live in this world and not become like it? And is that not a dilemma for us? Being at WVU, a place where we're pretty well known nationally, and they talk about Haley, you can come up. Haley's going to be one of my readers. We're pretty well known nationally for being a place that's not morally the most respectable. And so as a Chi Alpha, as Christians on this campus, as people who are just trying to follow God and, and hear what he has for us, we have to deal with the same things, the same things that they had to deal with. How can I live in this world and not become like it? And so that's what this series is about. And so I think it'll be fun. Today, we'll be in 1 Corinthians 6 and 10. 6, 12, and 13, and then 18 and 20. Sorry if that's confusing. And then 10, 23, and 24. Okay, so I'm reading 1 Corinthians 6, um, 12, 13, and then 18 through 20. Um, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Um, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 24. Uh, I have the right to do anything. You, anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Thanks, Marco and Haley. Y'all did well. Before I say anything, else, let me pray right quick. Lord, Please open up our hearts and our minds to help us to see why this is relevant to us. Why does this matter today? Why does this matter to the decisions that we make every day? Lord, speak through me. Give me your strength and your hope and your certainty, Lord God, that you will give me words and that these words will be for everyone here. Lord God, you are good. Help us to trust you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I titled it Limits to Liberty, Limits to Liberty, which is a paradox. Isn't that right? Is that the paradox? That's a paradox. Okay, cool. Now that, or would it be oxymoron? Are those the same thing? No? No? Yes? No? I'm confused. It's something. But what Paul does here is he basically attacks a very common very common viewpoint among Greeks and Corinthians. This viewpoint, and I hope this is clear because it's good. Basically, what the, what the Corinthians had adopted was the Greek view that man is the measure of all things. Basically, that means that 
Man is the most important people, are the most important thing in the world. And so because people are the most important thing in the world, you can do whatever you want. Everything is below you, so you have a right to do whatever you want. And so he brings up two very common, very talked about slogans that the Corinthians use. One is, I have a right to do anything. The other one is, food for the stomach and stomach for the food. Basically, this means that whatever you want, you're allowed to have. Whatever you desire, you have a right to have. Nothing's stopping you, nor should anything stop you. Some of you are perceptive. Maybe most of you have noticed this is not new. In fact, it's something that we see every day today. Who can give me an example? Ah, oh, no one's brave enough. I know some of y'all are thinking it. No. YOLO, yes. You're, th you're taking it like three steps down. YOLO. YOLO, you only live once. Hey, you only live once, so you might as well do it. Like, what's stopping you? Or, hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it 100, you know? Like, <laughs> no, for real. Like, look, I'm, I'm just trying to keep it 100. I'm trying to be what's true for me because what's true for me, as long as I'm faithful to what I want and who I am naturally, then I'm just keeping it real, and it's okay. So I have a right to do anything that is true for me as long as I'm keeping it real. Does that... Does that sound new, or does that sound like something you've heard before? Some of y'all are shaking your head. Everybody should be shaking their head. For real, who, who, who is like, I missed it? You can raise your hand, because I'll say it again. No, I'm not trying to call you out. I just want to make sure that we've all picked up on this fact that this is like, this is, it was there then, and it's here today. Same thing. Same slogan. Hey, food for the stomach, stomach for the food. Basically, if I want it, I have a right to have it. I'm here. What else? Like, look, weed, weed. It's here. God grew it. That means he wanted me to use it. Who hasn't heard this before? That's what the Corinthians are saying. And so what Paul does is he goes right to the root of this, right to the root of it. And he says three things. And these things are so cool for all of us. And I'll put it back up. First Corinthians, first Corinthians 6, 6, 12. I have a right to do anything you say. That's what Paul is saying. I have a right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by it. But I will not be mastered by anything. And then I have a right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Tonight... It's, it's going to be pretty simple. We're going to look at three different things, and that'll be it. Three different things that are huge for y'all, huge specifically in regards to how to make a wise decision. Because you have, you know what, before I say this, let me mention a friend that I have. I have a friend, he was, um, he was in my resource. We were really close friends. We still are close friends. You know, we text every other day probably, and this guy he is out of college now. He works for some oil company in Texas. You know, when you live in Texas, half the people work for oil companies, it seems like. There's a lot of them. But he works for an oil company now, moved on, has a kid, has a wife. I was talking to him the other day, and he was saying how he's like, man, Jordan, things are different. In college, I thought I didn't have that much time. He was a chemistry major. He had a pretty tough major. He was really busy. He was the busiest guy in my, in, in, in my small group, basically, every year. 
But he said this, and it really hit me. He was like, man, Jordan, I thought that I didn't have that much time in college. But I realize now that I had a ton of time. And he said, it's funny because in college I didn't have any money. So I had a, bu- a ton of time, but I didn't have any money. So I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do, but I had the time to do it. And then he said, but today I have all this money, but I don't have any time to use it. I don't have any time to do anything with it. And he said, that's what I'm noticing is the case with everyone around me. That's going to be the case for y'all, and that is the case for y'all. Right now, you don't think you have that much time, but you have a very valuable resource. In fact, some people would say the most valuable thing in this world outside of people and God is time. You have a resource, and you are like Corinth. We're all like Corinth. Meaning, Corinth had a ton of money, ton of influence, commercially, financially. That's what they had. They had resources. You, you have time. I'm talking about Corinth. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about how to make a wise decision. And I'm talking about this verse. What does all this have to do with everything? Tonight, we're going to talk about how to make a wise decision with your time because you have this rich resource and not everything is overtly religious meaning not everything is about good and bad some things is just about hey you can't do everything even though you have a ton of time you still can't do everything so how do you know what you should give your time to and what you shouldn't give your time to how do you know whether something is worth it or not how do you know how to make a a good decision with your time does that make sense at all Some of you are squinting at me. I'm going to keep going. (laughs) When I say, does that make sense? I really am asking because I don't mind saying things in another way or trying to say it again. Tonight's going to be a little weird, too. Some of y'all are like, man, this dude's talked for 20 minutes, and he's still setting it up. (laughs) We're in trouble. You kind of are, but (laughs) I'm just going to talk, and I know I'm going to run out of time. So I'm just going to come to a point where I stop. And it's going to feel like, hey, Jordan has more he could say, and I do have more I could say. I'm not going to finish it all because I I got too much stuff to say tonight. I'm not joking. (laughs) So we're just going to jump in. Number one, Paul talks about three tests for how to make a wise decision with your time. Number one, I have a right to do anything but not all things are beneficial. Not all things are beneficial. I'm going to mention, I'm going to talk about dating a little bit tonight, sex a little bit. Last week was going to be this sermon, and then this week was going to be a dating sermon. You know, Valentine's Day was yesterday. I wanted to, you know, do something for that. But we lost a Chi Alpha because of the snow, and so... Yep, yep, and so the dating sermon had to die. Sorry, love. Love didn't make it. One person was excited about that. But I, I, I found a way to throw some of it in here, and we'll, uh, you, you're happy because you already, you're done. You're finished. Well, actually, I don't know. You still have a decision to make. Ah, not really. It's, it's over. You've, Before I say anything else to get myself in trouble, I'll just jump in. All things are not beneficial. All things are not beneficial. 
I got a lot of stuff on this. Let's just keep it simple. Let's just keep it simple. All things are not beneficial. That word beneficial is simpharo. It means to cooperate, to, to go together, meaning is it profitable? Is it expedient? Does it help you get to where you're going? Not everything, you could do a lot of things, but not everything is going to help you in where you're trying to go. I think the easiest way to put, to, to say this, oh, in fact, I think I skipped something. Yeah, there we go. Those are the three tests, though. All things are not beneficial. Paul says, not all, I don't, but I will not be mastered by anything. And he also says, but not all things edify. As you can tell, Paul is a man who likes his butts as well. And so he, he brings in three butts. He's like, but not all things are beneficial, but not, but I will not be mastered by anything. And also, but not all things edify. And some of y'all caught that where I changed the word constructive to edify because constructive is a very bad translation. There are two other words that are much more simple to understand and much closer to the actual Greek word for the last one. And that is edify or to build something up. Construct is like, ah, that's all right, but to build something up, it's pretty clear. Some of you are like, he just lost me. Just come back to beneficial. <laughs> and that, that, that'll help you to understand. Not every decision you make is going to be beneficial for your grades. Not every decision you make is going to be beneficial for your relationship with God. Not every decision you make is going to be beneficial for your classes, for your job. And so you have to make a decision what is beneficial. And what is beneficial for you may not be what's beneficial for someone else. A really good example is, where's Nathan? Nathan Bonham. I work out three days a week maybe for an hour max, an hour max in each one of these workouts. If I, if Nathan tried to do what is beneficial for me when it comes to working out, he would not do well. Why is that? Because he runs ultra marathons. I'm not, I, this, is, this, is, this is not a joke. He runs ultra marathons where he runs, it's 50, 50 miles. Not 26.5 or 26.2, whatever a real marathon is, or not a real, because your marathons are more real than <laughs> marathons. But he runs them, and he wins them, too. Dude's a beast. And he gets up at, like, 2 a.m. in the morning to start working out. I kid you not. Not two, but really early. <laughs> but look, I got a wife. I got kids. I got people expecting me to provide for them. I, I, I'm not in college. What's beneficial for where I'm going in life is not what's beneficial for where he's going in life. So we can't measure ourselves by the same thing. And we're, you can't look at someone else and say what's beneficial for them ought to be what's beneficial for me. What is beneficial for your relationship with God, for God's will in your life, and what is beneficial for the goals that you are, are striving towards? He has goals regarding running ultra marathons. So his life he has to make decisions that help him progress in that. Is the thing that you're deciding what you're going to do, is it helping you get closer to your goals and God's will in your life? This is one reason why I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't a sermon against alcohol. This is just me talking about my own personal experience. 
one reason why I don't drink alcohol is because it's not beneficial for me. I got a job where my job really, it builds as the day goes on. So at night, my mind has to be uh, many times the sharpest. So it's not helpful for me to drink alcohol. It, and it, it, it doesn't help me g to get where I'm trying to go to drink alcohol. And I have a job that at nighttime, I, I, my mind has to be sharp. It's, it's holding me back if I drink alcohol. It's not helping me get where I need to go. So that's just why I don't drink. That's one of the reasons. Also, I mentioned that I work out. I like to work out. You know, I try to stay in decent shape. Alcohol, man, is hard. <laughs> it's hard if you like if you like to drink and then you want to look good. It is tough. You gotta. I, I used to know. I used to. I used to date a girl and she was in a sorority and she was, you know, she was she was she was great, but man, she liked alcohol a lot. And I'm not. It, the sorority thing wasn't in connection to alcohol. She was just. I don't, I don't even know why I said that. But <laughs> but the reason I'm bringing it up is she loved alcohol. And this girl worked out harder than anyone I knew. She was in great shape. But, man, she was in the gym for three hours because she would drink a lot. So she had to work three times as hard as everybody else just to be in good shape. And so it wasn't – it's not beneficial for me where I'm trying to go. Not that's, – that's, that's one of my spiels as to why I don't drink. That's just, it's not beneficial for where I'm trying to go. And you have to ask yourself with decisions, you know, school, everything, your hobbies, is this helping you get where you're trying to go? Is this beneficial? Or is it something that's going to set you back five or six steps, you know? I'm going to say a couple things about dating. Not going to say all of it. There's a really cool verse in Song of Songs. I think this is the next slide. slide. Yes. I'm not too out of order on my slides. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Don't awaken love before it's time. I'll, say, I'll, I'll help you understand why this is related in a second. But we're just jumping into dating. Don't awaken love before it's time. It's not beneficial to date someone. It's not profitable to your relationship with God and to your goals in life. I know you all are like, that sounds really weird. <laughs> Think about it. When you date someone, financially, time-wise, your relationships with your friends, just overall sacrifices, dating someone takes a lot of time. Some of y'all might not like this because I'm in West Virginia and I moved from Texas and there was a couple of things that I noticed about West Virginia. And this is just, this is just me and my observations. <laughs> People in West Virginia like to be in relationships. In fact, they almost need to be in relationships to the point where people will stop living and stop focusing on stuff that they need to be focusing on just in a pursuit to be with someone, to date someone, so that you could say that you're, so that you cannot be alone. There was this girl that was, uh, was in our, like, uh, she was at our Chi Alpha where I used to be, and she, 
she was a very pretty girl. A lot of people liked her, but she, she, she was single for a long time. And it was because everybody knew that she was anxious to just get with any guy as long as she wouldn't be. Like, she, she, was, she didn't care about guys. She cared about not being single. And so no guy wanted to date her because it was like, man, we know that you don't care about us. Any of us will do as long as one of us satisfies the role. And so you don't need to awaken love before it's time. I love how F.W. Boren put it. He's my favorite author, and he said this, and it was so good. He said, you don't go searching for a wife. You live your life, and you cross someone who makes your heart stop. And, has re and then that person has you really thinking, I would like to spend the rest of my life with this person. That's what you do. You just live. You don't search for someone. You just happen to find someone. That is love, too. Man, it's the worst thing when you meet those people who needed to just needed to be in a relationship, and then you meet them years later. There's nothing to them, nothing at all. They just, their life was about getting a husband. And so they got that husband, and they don't have anything else. They don't have any hobbies. They're not fun to be around. They're, they're obsessed with their families because their God was not God. It was the idea of being in a relationship, which brings me to the next point. I had to read a book a few years ago. Man, I got suckered into this book by my closest friend. Dude was my best man. I forget I've forgiven him. <laughs> I have forgiven him. Some of y'all some of y'all have met him. Sean's laughing. Sean's laughing. They knew who it is. Some of y'all met him. He was here last year. This dude suckered me. His girlfriend at the time, who was now his wife, beautiful angel, wonderful woman. <laughs> Don't have anything negative to say about her except this one thing. So what she did, she told this dude, hey, you should read this book. Don't ever read this book. I kiss dating goodbye. Man, cheesy Christian dating book. What a joke. He was like, Jordan, I'm reading this book. You got to read it with me. I was like, sure, bro. We're brothers. We're in it to win it. Let's go. Read this crap. I'm like, man, what are we reading? Silly book. Don't read the book. But I'm going to give you the main premise out of the book. The only thing that comes out of the book, which is legit, and it is very legit, is what the actual book is titled about. I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Silly name, but really good premise. The premise is don't date people. Court people. Sean, did I? Oh, I did it. Yes. Hey, shout out to Sean. Sean makes all my PowerPoints. Does such a good job with it. I don't y'all don't know. Sometimes I get these PowerPoints to him at 7:59 and he has them up there at 8 magically. It's 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 impressive. But to date, to go out with someone, I'm sorry, to go out, someone in whom one is romantically or sexually interested in, versus to court, to be involved with romantically, typically with the intention of marrying. Don't date. Dating is a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. It's not biblical. It's, it's, it's a terrible idea. I said it earlier. Some of you are like, why did he say that? I said that when you date, that's not God's will for your life. This is what I mean. I do believe God is all about courting. Dating is a terrible idea. 
Some of you are like, you really need to explain this. I will. When you date someone, let me rewind. Let me help you, help you to understand. My grandmother and my mom used to always say this. Baby, I'm not going to say it in that voice. <laughs> she, she would say, baby, when you don't stand for anything, you fall to everything. So true. So true. And that's the difference between dating and courting. That's the simplest way I can put it. Dating, dating is about not standing for anything. It's just being with someone to be with them. If you don't think you're going to marry someone, you need to cut it off as soon as possible. Because the only reason you're in that relationship is to pass time. And when you pass time with people, we're all adults. Sex happens. It does. It is when you court someone, you both have a goal. You both are trying to go somewhere. You're both trying to stand for something. And so it's easy for it's easier, much easier for you two to to hold strong because you're waiting for something in the end. When you date, it's just like, hey, let's just pass the time. And look, you don't date someone just to be like, oh, they, you know, they smell good. You don't, that's not why we date. We date because this person internally and externally makes arouses me and so every relationship dating courting whatever you want to call it every relationship is moving closer and closer and closer to sex sex is a good thing sex is great i love sex god loves sex everybody loves sex haven't met a person yet in this world who doesn't like sex <laughs> haven't in fact, you, you tell me a person who walked up to you and said, hey, sex sucks. I just discovered that. <laughs> no one said that. No one. In fact, God likes sex so much that he was like, hey, look, there's a lot of nerve endings I put down there just so y'all would like sex. But I like sex so much, I'm going to throw even more nerve endings down there. So it's over-the-top amazing. Sex is great. Sex is so but." There's a time for it. There is a time for it. And it is not beneficial. It is not beneficial. It is not beneficial outside of marriage. It's not beneficial financially. It's not beneficial. Tell me in what way sexual immorality, having sex outside of marriage, benefits you regarding your grades today. How does sex benefit your finances today? How does sex benefit your health, especially if you get like a venereal disease? Sorry, it's a scientific term. I <laughs> especially if you get a disease or you have a kid, tell me in what way sex benefits you outside of marriage. It doesn't. It doesn't. What is beneficial for me today, for God's will in my life, and for the goals that I have for today and tomorrow? This is really good stuff that Paul is saying here. I could go on and on about dating, but I'm not. 15 minutes. I'm done in 15 minutes. Zoe. Zoe is like, that's not, that's not soon enough. <laughs> the second thing. I will not be mastered by anything. I have the right to do anything, 
but I will not be mastered by anything. Man, I got some stuff here that I want to say. I'm going to jump right over that. <sighs> Sorry. Man, I really like that too. People in prison. You know what? Let me start with the Tim Keller quote. I'm not going to cut that out. Tim Keller said, the definition of sin is when you replace God with something or someone. And the result is an addiction of spirit. Sin makes us addicts. Whenever you sin, an addiction is growing in your heart. An addiction is growing so much so that God is no longer in control of you, but that thing controls you. We've all seen it. I talked a whole lot about it a couple weeks ago when I talked about the demoniac. I said, this man, ah, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say some stuff that I was going to cut out. Look, all sin, all sin comes from an unwise decision. It was an unwise decision before the sin happened. What I mean is, look, you sent a text to some person that you knew you shouldn't have been texting. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation that you don't need to be in. Or you sent an email or you responded when someone made you mad and you knew you should have just walked away, but you said, no, hold on, I'm going to stay around and just see what happens. And then what happens? You blow up on them. You say some stuff you shouldn't have said. You do whatever. If you look back at every bad decision you made, it started with you staying around too long at something or you doing something, that being somewhere you had no business being at. Are you looking at something that you knew you, like, man, I should have closed the computer a few minutes ago kind of thing? All sin starts with an unwise decision. And I'm not saying this to, like, you know, rip us. I'm trying to say what Paul is saying here is, like, I don't want to be mastered by anything. Have you ever thought about people in prison? These are people who we all talk about freedom and, like, how we have the right to do anything. Everybody in prison is a person who was once free, but they abused their freedom so much so that they no longer had the... Uh, ability to choose what they wanted to do with their life. I was talking to Taylor earlier, Taylor Albertini. Yeah. Taylor, man, anybody who knew Taylor a year and a half ago or even two years ago, it's been, you too have been able to watch an amazing journey of a girl who was owned by school. She, she told me earlier, she was like, Jordan, I would definitely say that I was imprisoned by how much I was devoted to school. And the worst thing about it was I didn't even realize how imprisoned I was by school. Some of us are mastered by stuff that's not God. Maybe we're mastered by our parents' opinions of us. Maybe we're mastered by our dreams and our goals. Good things that we've made ultimate things. Maybe we're mastered by the way that people view us, pleasing people, how you know, making other people happy. Paul says, I don't want to be mastered by anything. Therefore, when it comes to a decision I'm trying to make, is this in control of me or am I in control of it? And if I don't want to be in control, if I don't want to be controlled by something, I'm, I'm cutting it out. I'm not doing that. Man, y'all don't know. Taylor had a real problem with school. It was so bad that her parents were trying to convince her not to do homework. You know it's bad when your parents are telling you, hey, you should skip this assignment. You should not do this. 
for real, some of us are like, hey, man, I got to have a 99 on this test. I got to get a 98, and A isn't enough. Funny thing is, some of y'all, some of y'all are going to laugh because some of y'all focus so much on school, but you didn't even know that that wasn't even God's will for your life. He was trying to tell you to study a little bit less. Only reason I'm saying that is because you're going to get, a, some of you will get out of college, you'll apply for a job, you'll find out that they never even asked for your GPA, and then you'll be in a job for several years to find out that they've never mentioned my GPA at all. Did they even care that I went to school? <laughs> Funny stuff. <laughs> the last thing, the last thing is, and this is the best one to me, not all things edify. And I said that I didn't like the defin- the the translation, the way NIV did it, I don't like the word they use. Most of the translations, for some reason, use build up and edify, but for some reason, NIV wanted to be different, and so I changed it. King James Version puts edify there. I'm going to put edify there. Look, if you break down the word in the Greek, it means edify, so you might as well just put edify. Edify. Some of y'all are like edify. What does edify mean? It means to build something up. It means to build something up, to make something. With every decision that we make... If y'all haven't noticed, we don't live in a hole. Every decision you make has ripple effects. Some of you have felt those ripple effects with decisions your parents have made, decisions friends have made. We've all felt the ripple effects of other people's decisions that they made solely with only themselves in mind, and it was devastating to us. The reason for that is every decision you make builds someone up or it tears them down. Or you could say it another way, every decision you make builds someone up somewhere. It edifies something in them. Some of you are like, I kind of understand. Let me go back to alcohol. Some of you are like, man, this dude in alcohol, Jesus drank alcohol. Why Why is Jordan going off on alcohol? I'm just saying regarding myself. Another reason I don't drink, and the main reason I don't drink, is because of every person in this room. Specifically, a few of y'all who really struggle with alcohol. If y'all see me on out on High Street drinking a beer, that's not a sin. It's not a sin at all. But when I drink that beer, I give you permission to go and do that. And I encourage you so much so that you think, hey, maybe not you, but someone will be like, hey, it's okay for me to drink. Jordan drinks. But this person used to have an alcohol problem. And so they drink one, and it can never be one with them. It has to be 16 or 24 or the hospital. Whatever you do gives permission to someone else to do what you're doing. And so when you make a decision, Sometimes it's not an issue of, well, is this going to hurt where I'm trying to go? Not really, not that much, because I'm in control of myself, and I'm not really mastered by this, so I can do it. But the people who are around you at that time, is it going to help them? And in God's will for their life and in regards to their goals for the future. And this is so cool, because this... When you think about this, it's like, what's a why, what should I do with this? Even watching Netflix, it's like, well, when you think about these three things, it helps you understand, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be watching Netflix right now, or hey, ain't nobody around. I ain't got nothing to study for. Snowed in. 
I might as well watch a couple episodes or this or that. That's for you to decide. But when you line these up and look at what should I do, what decision should I make, it's actually really helpful. Does this edify? Does this edify the people around me? Does it help me get? Does it, does it hurt the goals that I have in life and God's will for me? Am I controlled by this? Is this the master of me or am I the master of it? I have a few, I have like six more minutes. Is that 15 minutes? Nine minutes have passed? I'm going to do it. Some of y'all say, man, y'all said preach. You're not going to like what's going to come next. Going back to dating. Yep. Some of you are like, man, he, he already said enough. <laughs> he, he needs to stop. Girls, I love y'all. In fact, I don't even want to look at y'all when I say this. <laughs> but the yoga pants. <laughs> Some of y'all who went to, went to Warner Retreat are like, dude, Glenn already went off on that. Let it go. <laughs> no. I used to, you know what, I'll take a step back. I'll just call myself out first. I used to go, Texas, man, it's hot outside in Texas. It's like, right now it'd be like 100 degrees. Not really. It'd be like 74 or something right now. It's just hot all the time. In the summer, you got basically somewhere around mid-June, it just stays over 100. And it stays over 100. I kid you not, it'd be like 99 degrees at like 10 o'clock at night. You're like, why is it so hot? The sun's not even out. It's hot. It is so hot there. And so when you go running, it is not comfortable to wear a shirt. So take the shirt off. You see dudes running without their shirts on all the time. I used to be in that club. That club is a funny club because, yeah, you're kind of a meathead when you're in that club. And I'll admit, yes. But in running with my shirt off, it got to a point where I was like, man, I don't need to run with my shirt off because this – you know, this, this isn't helping anyone. This may distract someone. This may put someone's mind somewhere where it doesn't need to be. I'm going to think about someone else in the way that I dress, and I'm going to even inconvenience myself in order to convenience others regarding what's best for them. So go over to the yoga pants. I don't, I'm not, I, actually, I understand yoga pants. Any guy that has shopped with me, Charles, Christopher, Sean, they know this, Damani knows this. Your boy likes spandex in his jeans. I refuse to buy jeans that don't have spandex. I just want to be, if I want to do a lunge, I want to be able to do a lunge in my jeans. I, I, just, I don't want to feel constricted, you know? I, I, like, I like spandex. I understand it's comfortable. But, you know, if you're going to wear them, be considerate of others. Maybe you don't have to wear the shirt that comes up to here with the yoga pants. Maybe you could wear a longer shirt. Maybe you could help the boys out a little bit, you know? I'm just be. is it beneficial? Is it going to help? Like, is that guy thinking you're hot, is it worth making him stumble, you know? Guys, you're not off the hook. Yeah. Maybe, look, I know you've been working out. I know you like, you got the, you, you got to show the guns, you know, they, they're getting bigger. But 
You don't need to cut off the sleeves to the point where, you know, it's basically like a, a string tank top, you know? Like, you could, you could just, you, you know, you could be considerate. It goes both ways. All I'm saying is I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying, look, do you get dressed? Do you get dressed and take other people into consideration? Do you think about, like, man, Lord, I'm getting dressed for you rather than, like, having my confidence puffed up a little bit, you know? I got two minutes, so I'm going to do it. Some of y'all look very glad I'm about to say this. The way that you break up with people in Christian relationships I'm just going to say people like it when you're honest with them for the reason that you broke up with them. Don't lie to them. Don't go make up some excuse and say, ah, oh, you know, well, the Lord told me that we're not supposed to be together. <laughs> Man. <laughs> or, you know, like, no, it's, it's not you. It's God. <laughs> Don't make God do your dirty work. And it is them, because it's because they smell funny. That's why you don't want to be with them anymore. But if you don't tell them that they smell funny, they can never fix that. You don't help someone by lying to them. Tell the guy the reason, or tell the girl the reason why you cut ties with them. Relationships don't, look, courting doesn't guarantee that you're going to get married. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's working towards that. But if that's not where it's headed, then, hey, end it. But tell them, it's the worst thing when you find out from one of their friends a month later why they really broke up with you. And they didn't have, they didn't give you the dignity to tell it. They didn't give you the dignity to find that out for yourself. That is the worst. It really is. Just tell somebody. Because you're helping them out. They might, they might be doing some stuff. You don't, do you want them doing the same stuff that they did to you that hurts you? Do you want them doing that to the next person? We've gone through three things, how to make a wise decision. I've gone very long tonight. Number one, is it beneficial for God's will in my life and for where, what my goals are? Number two, am I mastered by it or will this lead to me being mastered by it? Number three, does it build others up? The people around me, is it helpful for them? Matthew 7.13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. This may seem constrictive regarding what you can do and not do with your life. But what Jesus says in Matthew 17 makes it so clear why this is so good for every one of our lives. It said, the way that lead, it said, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. That means that it doesn't feel constrictive at all. In fact, you feel extremely free, except it leads you to a place where you're done. 
where you not only have, where you not only are not constricted, you don't even have life anymore. You're dead. It makes me think of those really big highways if you go to major cities. And you could drive on those highways and you feel like you have all these lanes to drive in, except there's a cliff a few miles down the road. And you don't even know that you're about to die. And then Jesus says, but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. It makes you think of a door. It makes me think of a door that leads to a room that is infinite in width and length and height. Christianity seems so constrictive in a way, but then we realize that it leads to a freedom that doesn't even seem real. Narrow is the way that leads to life. How full life is. The last thing I want to say, and it really is the very last thing. When you look at the first thing, it doesn't stand in the way of your dreams. It helps you as much as possible to accomplish all of your dreams. What is beneficial for you? Does that sound like someone who's trying to stop progress in your life? No, it's, it's someone who's trying to make sure that you get exactly what you've been dreaming for. God put some dreams in your heart, but some decisions we make stand in the way of those dreams, and he's trying to protect our dreams more than we are. The second thing, it is truly terrible to be addicted to something, especially when you don't even realize that you're addicted. All of us have seen and some of us, when we look back at ourselves, we can look back at times in our lives where we were addicted to something and we knew how miserable it was. Or you were like, you know, it's like that person is like, I can, I can stop, I can stop, I can stop anytime I want. It's like, no, no, you can't. That's, you're, you're not even in control. You didn't even realize it. We were not meant to be ruled by anything in this world. We were meant to rule in this world. And you look at the last thing. No one wants drama in their life. No one wants to crush the dreams of their friends. No one wants to make their friends suffer. Some people have made decisions in, around you that have been devastating to your life. You don't want that in other people's lives. No one wants to hurt the people that you love the most. Neither does God. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Limits on my liberty will make sure that the people around me are happy and that I'm happy and that I'm pleasing God. That's it. That's all I got. So let's pray. Lord God, first of all, thank you that everybody stayed awake. I talked forever. But I thank you even more, Lord God, for what you spoke through Paul when he wrote this. Thank you for these guidelines that we have regarding how to make wise decisions with this abundance of time that we have. Lord, imprint these three things in our mind. Help us not to forget this tomorrow so that we can use it to further help our relationship with you, our relationship with our goals, and the people around us, Lord. Lord, we want to be in the center of your will and we want to be successful with the gifts that you've given us. 
Lord, help us not to abuse our liberty. Help us to walk in the path that leads to life. Lord, protect us as we go home, especially with all the ice. Thank you for everyone that was here. We love you and we want to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.